What do you do when you want to fix your marriage and your spouse doesn't think there's a problem? Or maybe sees the problem but refuses to work on it? Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 92, and we are going to be talking about that really tough situation where you're really worried about your marriage, but your spouse isn't on board. Hmm. For whatever reason, and isn't going to do anything about it. Yeah, that would be hard. Yes. Yep. So an unhappy spouse married to a spouse who is not unhappy. Why don't you just say happy? Is not an uncommon situation. Is that too many uns? Okay, so an unhappy spouse married to a spouse who a is happy. happy. Spouse, an unhappy spouse married to a happy spouse is not uncommon. Okay. Yep. In fact, the research shows that this is a common marital situation, and it turns out that unhappy spouses are actually more common than unhappy marriages. Okay. There is, and I know what folks are thinking, like, if I'm unhappy, then the marriage is unhappy. But there, there is a little bit of a difference there, because in an unhappy marriage, everybody's on board with the unhappiness. Oh, okay. But an unhappy spouse, and I'm not devaluating that or, or undermining the significance of someone's experience here, mm-hmm. is, you know... They're the person that's unhappy. The other person is happy. And that's a different situation than an unhappy marriage. Okay. And that's the situation we're talking about today. And if you're out there, you're listening to this, I want you to know you're not the only person out there going through this. I get contacted by people that listen to this show, and it's not uncommon at all. And in fact, reflecting on our own marriage, I think we've been there too for Linda. There was a period when I was just dragging myself through life Mm -hmm. and in a cloud of mild depression all the time. And I was kind of unhappy from that, but I think you were probably the unhappy spouse in that situation. Like it was tough right, for you. Right, because I you could were, see it. And you were worried yeah. about it. Whereas I was in the cloud and I didn't really know or notice. Yeah. 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 So there is a way out of this cloud and that's what we want to talk about today. We're going to start with, uh, first of all, just kind of identifying this problem and what it looks like. And uh, then we'll uh, hopefully by the end of it, our goal is to give you some hope for your marriage. Alrighty. So a study from 2002 looked at uh, unhappy spouses using the National Survey of Families and Households. So this was a very extensive survey. They looked at 645 spouses who had rated their marriages as unhappy. And then they re-interviewed them mm-hmm. five years later. Hmm. Okay. It was done in the USA. So one of the things they found was that while Americans usually talk about unhappy marriages, unhappy spouses were far more common. And only about a quarter of unhappy spouses were married to a spouse who was also reporting being unhappily married. <laughs> I'm losing you with all these unhappies. Yeah. Okay. Only a quarter of unhappy spouses yep. were married to a spouse who also reported being unhappily married. Yep. Okay. So three quarters of unhappy spouses are married to a spouse that thinks it's okay. That or, the marriage is okay. Or better. Yep. Okay. They're, they're, like, they're happily married. Yep. That's the implication, right? So- This surprised me. I wasn't expecting this. And I think it's because when I see couples in therapy, they're both concerned about the marriage. Yeah. Or the one who isn't gets concerned in a hurry when we start unpacking what's going on and they realize how bad it's been for their spouse. But to be honest, like I was floored by this data, but it makes sense. And I think that a lot of our listeners would find themselves in this situation. So if that's you, I'd love to actually hear from you about this, what it's been like for you to live in this situation where your spouse is happily married and you're not. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, reach out to us through our website, 
if you send us a note, I will reply back to you. And I'd just love to hear from you to learn more about this. But from the research side, another thing that they mentioned was unhappily married spouses were statistically somewhat more likely to be black or female, have minor children in the home, not be employed compared to happily married spouses. And that's interesting enough for, uh, what do you call that kind of data? Demographic, Mm -hmm, sociological mm -hmm. data. But listen to this. Unhappy spouses had the following characteristics. Lower levels of global happiness, symptoms of depression, a lower sense of personal mastery, and lower self-esteem than happy spouses. So that's not really anything to do with the marriage as such. Yeah, that's not saying whether it's a cause or an effect. Yeah. It's just saying it was present. That's what they observed. Okay. And none of us are immune to this. And yet I think kind of in reflecting on this situation of being the unhappily married spouse, it's it's got to be very powerless. It's like when you're at someone's house and their picture isn't hanging straight on the wall, but you can't touch it. <laughs> but it's a thousand times worse because it's, yeah. it actually matters. Unlike, reality. Unlike the picture on the wall, right? Yeah. And you can see what needs done. You can see something needs fixed, but you can't change it. Okay. So I want to give some hope for unhappy spouses. And I thought that was one really cool thing that came out of reading through this study. Uh, just this powerful message of hope that's in there. And their context is when they did the study, they wanted to see the difference between unhappy spouses who decided to stay married and unhappy spouses who decided to get a divorce. And they made a couple pretty important discoveries. The first was that unhappy spouses who divorced or separated actually showed somewhat higher number of depressive symptoms compared to unhappily married spouses who stayed married. Hmm. So even though they were unhappy, they were happier being married than getting divorced. There was less, I would almost say there was less negative impact than say there was happier, but yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps their most important finding was that two out of three unhappily married adults who avoided divorce or separation ended up happily married five years later to the same person. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. Yes. I think that's awesome. So right from the start, the study gives a lot of hope that unhappy spouses who stay committed over time often come to a place in which they aren't so unhappy with the relationship. And so the the thing that comes to mind is like the question that begs is, what are the reasons for this? Why? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're listening today, I'm guessing you want to be in that two out of three people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to figure this out, let's look at some of the common situations that lead to unhappy spouses and how unhappy spouses found happiness in each type of situation. So there was really three common causes that they found behind unhappy spouses. And this is putting people into buckets. Okay. So all right. granted it's buckets, but it's still interesting and helpful. Okay. The first was outside stressors, things like illness, unemployment, depression, financial problems, problems with kids, and so on. And this was the most common story that was given by spouses who were interviewed. Their marriage became unhappy because of outside situations that could not be controlled, which is fair enough. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that both spouses could be unhappy because of outside stressors, but it doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong with the marriage. Yes. Like it's not like only one spouse is allowed to be unhappy at a time. Yeah. True enough. But one spouse might not worry about it, the other might. And that's where you can get into the situation of one being unhappy mm. and the other happy. Okay. And then that would start affecting the marriage or yeah, has one, the possibility. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Huh. Okay. Second reason, husband behaving badly. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too enthused about this. So the researchers stated that they were surprised that among the spouses interviewed who saw marital unhappiness as caused primarily by bad behavior... Very few husbands 
And no wives saw the wife's behavior as chiefly to blame. So both the husbands and the wives are agreeing with each other that... It's the man's fault. Yeah. That's too funny. Yeah. No, it's not actually. Not for men. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, when is it never... Well, like, when is it never my fault? Well, I can make it your but fault But this is just easily. this particular situation where you have one unhappy spouse. And it may be that when you're looking, when you filtered the constellation of marriage unhappiness down to one spouse is unhappy, the other's happy, mm-hmm. that this bubbles to the top now because in this subset of unhappy marriages, misbehaving husbands are more common. Okay. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. And so it actually becomes quite serious because the issues identified were things like infidelity, alcoholism, fighting, cussing, abuse, those kinds of things. Okay. And so come to think of it, this is one that I've run into in consultation sessions, more so than in couples therapy. And I've seen some cases respond well to the wife having a very clear discussion with her husband about the bad behavior mm-hmm. where, you know, I coached her on how to approach the issue, how to communicate the severity of the situation. And they reported back that their husbands often step up to the plate. Okay. Uh, in other situations, especially when abuse is present, separation was usually necessary to get him to acknowledge that there actually was a problem when he's misbehaving okay. to that degree. Yeah. And of course, separation, mm. it's not a yeah. road you want to go down without a lot of thought preparation and care though. So don't just listen to this, to this and flip off into separation. It's, yeah. Uh, you got to have a plan, but husband bat behaving badly. So that was the second one. Second most common cause of unhappy spouses. The third chronic conflict, poor communication and emotional neglect, all kind of lumped together. Hmm. This often included husbands who thought their wives were unhappy for no reason hmm. and wives who felt misunderstood and never heard by their husbands. And it often included fighting all the time over small issues. And so we have a lot of husbands listening to our podcast. And I just want to challenge you guys on this one. Maybe you think your wife is unhappy for no reason, or you just can't figure out what the reason is. I, I get that. <clears throat> yes. But, really? Well, now in our marriage, I take the time and I, I have some tools to figure it out. Yeah. Better, right? Yeah. But at the start, it was like, what's your problem? What just happened there? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's because women are trained to be more emotionally intelligent generally than men, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, this whole situation where men think their wife is unhappy for no reason, you can look at that as a problem or you can look at it as an opportunity to demonstrate curiosity. And so I want you to think about nothing from your wife comes out of a vacuum. That doesn't sound right. (laughs) I've seen her empty the vacuum. But while I'm saying is nothing in any person comes out of a vacuum. There's a reason for your wife's behavior. You have to believe that. And you may not be a drunk or an abuser or a cheater or unpleasant in a vulgar way, but still, if she's upset, that's not coming out of a vacuum. There's a reason why she's unhappy. She didn't just decide to be unhappy and be a cow that day. No, there's something in there that does that. Yeah. So, what? I just like that. It's just the husband's fault. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not giving wives any license here. I'm just calling on husbands to try to figure this out. Yes. And if you need help, give me a call. That is why marriage therapists exist. The first thing we do is we create understanding. And then second, we help you repair and create something that is really great. But just start off being curious. Try to understand in there. Figure it out. What are you laughing at? Well, you just make it sound so, you know, appealing. Help you create something that is really great. Oh, did I not say that with enough enthusiasm? I'm talking to men here. They get it. Okay. We're good. All right. (laughs) You're (laughs) laughing at me on the inside. I can see that. 
Okay, so those are three reasons that are common. That's not all the reasons. Those are just three common ones. Outside stressors, husband behaving badly, or wife in our circumstance, and or chronic <laughs> conflict, poor communication, or just simple emotional neglect. Now, the question is, what should unhappy spouses do to move forward? So I want to try to make this practical for you. So when they were doing this research, they found that unhappy spouses moved into happier places through several different strategies, and the strategies had to match the reason behind their unhappy marriage. Okay, so there is, there's some technique to this, I guess I'll say. Okay. And so the first strategy we want to give you is called waiting it out. And some unhappy spouses were happier five years later due to time simply passing. And what? Well, I'm guessing though that this is not for the wife whose husband is an abuser. Correct. Okay. Yeah. This might be the circumstance of like illness or something like that. or Like an outside stressor. Yeah. But, you know. I'm kind of trusting our listeners to make their best decision here, given their context. Yep. Yeah. So the, the researchers called this the marital endurance ethic. And these individuals, they did not explicitly work on their marriages. Instead, they endured them. And with the passage of time, the spouses told the researchers that problems of life tended to get better, which improved the happiness, their happiness as married people. And that's sort of that good old-fashioned grit and stickability. And this is where the subject of commitment comes into marriage. Yeah, just through thick and thin. Yes, which we've emphasized, and, and that's important. And it's good to know when this works well, though. So waiting it out is often a strategy that seems to work best when spouses are unhappy, as we said, due to outside circumstances. Mm-hmm. Because they cause problems in the marital relationship. And then over time, as those circumstances get sorted or resolve themselves, and each spouse remains committed to the marriage... They find themselves happier a few years later. It just kind of creeps back hmm. up on them. That's good. And so I'm just saying, don't toss your marriage out just because you're, un- uh, you're experiencing unhappiness. Especially when the initial cause of that unhappiness is not the marriage relationship itself. And sometimes we need to co- tease the context of our unhappiness or the, co- uh, yeah, the context of it apart from the cause of it. Okay. So I'm yes. unhappy in my marriage, but the marriage may not have been the cause. No, that's just the context. Of yes. where it's at. And so that's that's kind of like that's not throwing on. the baby out with the bathwater. Okay. Okay. Got it. First strategy, waiting it out. Second strategy, solving problems and getting help. And some unhappy spouses were happier five years later due to finding active ways to fix the problem and to enlisting personal and professional help. So they called this the marital work ethic. And it seemed to work best in situations when husbands were behaving badly. Okay. And for the few circumstances as well where wives behave badly also. Why are you smiling at me now? Oh, that was just accidental. Mm -hmm. So when issues were more serious, such as infidelity, alcoholism, or abuse, spouses responded by seeking to improve communication. They worked with counselors. They separated for a time. They consulted divorce attorneys. They looked at all these things, right? And they were taking, this is just what the researchers are observing. They saw couples taking serious steps that aligned with the serious nature of the problem that they were seeing. Okay. And I'm not necessarily endorsing any of these or all of them or some of them. Okay. I definitely endorse the counseling and improving communication. Okay. The others, I think we need to nuance a lot more if we're going to talk about those. But just to go down the counseling road for a moment, another study from 2015 shows that marital and individual counseling can be helpful when a wife is unhappy in the marriage and considering divorce, which is a common situation here. Misbehaving husband, unhappy wife. So they interviewed women who had considered divorce, but in the end decided to remain married. And they looked at the counseling process that the woman went through and found that all of the women interviewed reported that going to counseling helped them to make decisions about their marriage and how to move forward. 
And some of the women, these wives, they attended both marital and individual counseling, and they felt that the individual sessions were more helpful for their marriages, which is interesting. When I was in school, they said, never go individual on troubled marriages. Hmm. But anyways, these researchers found that even if a spouse is not willing to go to marriage counseling, individual counseling could be helpful to the spouse and to the marriage as a whole. And I'm presuming it's because the wife wanted to maintain the marriage. Right, right. The risk is that if you go to individual counseling and you don't have loyalty or or commitment to the marriage, that you will find someone who will support you on your exit, which may go against your your core values. Yeah, well, yeah. So you want to watch that one. And that's where I say, make sure you're talking to a marriage therapist on this, not an individual therapist. Not that there's anything wrong with individual therapists, but marriage therapy is a specialty. And But you know, I think this is so important because we had someone in touch with us who was married and going through a tough time and his individual counselor encouraged him to go date around. Yeah. Just, you know, for self-esteem or whatever, like... Really stupid idea. Yeah. Really stupid. Yeah. So... So I think it's really important to know who you're talking to and it's yeah. someone that supports marriage. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. No, that's that's really good. So that's another effective strategy, which is to get help. Yeah. And just as a reminder of that, because sometimes you think, well, that's going to cost me money. Yeah. It is going to cost you money, but yeah. I forget which episode it is, but each spouse loses 77% of their net worth when they divorce. Really? So if you think counseling is expensive, <laughs> you're not thinking the right way about it. And that's not even considering the emotional cost to you and your children. 77%? Yeah. Because mm. you get half each and then there's that other whole chunk that just goes to, like I had to lawyers. sell the house, lawyers. I had to sell the house below market value because of timing. Oh. We had to get rid of the car because yeah. she didn't want it with the payments, nor did he. So right. bad decisions get made, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Okay. And like, as you say, the emotional cost that was even more than the yeah. financial. Yeah. Mm. Third possible solution. This is an interesting one. Finding personal satisfaction. Hmm. And I just want to interject here that we have a handout to go at this session, and particularly this point. It's a one-page PDF, but it lists 10 ways for an unhappy spouse to find personal satisfaction. That's going to be one of the strategies we'll talk about in a moment that can help you through this tough period. If you're in this place, get that handout. I'll email you a link. All you need to do is open your browser to oyf.link slash 92 or send a message with the word podcast to 9292 spouse. That's 9292 spouse. If you have to pay for your text messages, we'll send you a couple texts back so message rates would apply. But if you have a bundle, it won't cost you anything. All you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292 spouse and we'll get your email from you. We'll send you a link. And you can also get it on the blog post if you'd prefer not to do it by text message. You can get it on our blog post for this episode on our website at oyf.link slash 92. Back to the research. So some unhappy spouses were happier five years later due to, and I'm quoting here, finding alternative ways to improve their own happiness and build a good and happy life despite a mediocre marriage. Hmm. And they called this the personal happiness ethic the researchers. And this strategy was often used in the face of chronic communication problems and emotional neglect. Spouses who shared stories of this problem, they often didn't show a huge turnaround in their marriage. That was their reality. Yeah. But the individual spouse who was unhappy would find ways to live with the behaviors they disagreed with, yet find happiness in places other than their marriage. And I mean, healthy places, not like affairs or anything. 
And this is just such a key point because sometimes we choose to stake our overall happiness on something that we can't control. Mm -hmm. And choosing to stake your personal happiness on someone you can't control, like your spouse or your kids or your boss, is a strategy that's guaranteed to fail. Hmm. Well, it's not guaranteed to fail, but it's it's guaranteed to be out of control, out of your control, right? So don't choose that. Yeah. I think, you know, that nobody other than God should be everything to us. Right. Because he is reliable and his love is always on. Yeah. And there's no change in his character. He'll never let you down. But humans? Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. So there are ways you can work as an unhappy spouse to deal with issues. And so we often have this belief that disagreeing with our spouse is automatically destructive to the marriage. And this is just one little point I want to make here that we often bring. Like, if I disagree with you, I can have this default belief that says, because we're having a disagreement, this is destructive to our marriage. Right. Yeah. That's a belief, not a fact. Ooh. And this is referring to another piece of research now uh, from 2004. It's called the destructive disagreement belief. And it's the irrational belief that disagreeing with your romantic partner is automatically destructive hmm. to the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so this researcher, they didn't look at married couples, but they studied 150 undergrads in romantic relationships with this just this belief in mind. And he had these folks call to mind the rational belief that disagreement is not destructive while they experienced a disagreement. So however the researchers set them up, they got the couples to experience a disagreement and then had trained them to call to mind a belief that this is not destroying our relationship, it's just a disagreement. Mm. And his research showed that believing that disagreement is not destructive can actually reduce relationship dissatisfaction during disagreements. So even if you can't stop the unpleasantness of the discussion you're having, you can shift your beliefs around the interactions that you do have that you do have. Mm-hmm. And this is particularly for those of you that are in that situation with a spouse where the marriage is mediocre and they're just not going to be able to get there for you or they can't right now, but you want to hold on to that commitment and the values and you mm-hmm. want to keep this, this family unit intact, right? You can shift your beliefs about the interactions you're having. And when you do that, you can find a happier ethic to live by. And so this can give an unhappy spouse the space to move on past their disagreements and to find satisfaction in other areas of life. Okay, you've said that a couple times, Caleb, in other areas of life or to find happiness outside the marriage. Okay. Can you give some examples there? So maybe you have like a church ministry that you're involved in. Yeah. And that's where you find more meaning and purpose and value and that's your that's your place to find life okay. satisfaction. Okay. Or maybe you have your job, you see it as your calling, it's vocational, whatever. And that's, you know, we don't we never encourage people to bury themselves in their jobs apart from their spouse. But if your spouse isn't shifting, maybe you can find satisfaction there. And the joy that you get from that, you can bring back and hold inside yourself while you're in the the mediocrity or even the unhappiness of your marriage situation. Mm, okay. And I'm I'm just thinking in, in even in situations where you have a spouse that's married to another spouse with a say a chronic mental illness mm-hmm. and is medicated. And that spouse just can't ever get there for that deep emotional connection yeah. all the time, right? So you set a guard around yourself that you're not gonna go to another person instead of your spouse for that. Yeah. But you do find meaning in other activities or other healthy uh same sex relationships. Or family okay. members. Okay. And so you can, you know, you don't have to stake all of your life's happiness on this one part that you can't control. Got it. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. And that's called, they call that the personal happiness ethic. 
So these are people that found other ways to improve their own happiness and build a good and happy life despite a mediocre marriage. So that is another option. Hmm. Okay, so if you're an unhappy spouse today, my heart goes out to you. It's a tough haul. Yeah. But I hope the one great big message you get from this episode today is that you can do something, that there is hope, and you can find joy in other ways despite your situation. Hmm. All right, let's wrap this up, baby. Yeah, that was really interesting. So we want to shout out a huge thank you to those who left us reviews on iTunes this week. And I think this one is really cool. Okay. Because it's from Europe. Ooh, yeah. It says, uh, thank you, five stars by Jacob V, might be pronounced Jakub, I think, from the Czech Republic mm-hmm. on January the 8th. I found your podcast on iTunes at the right time of my life. We have struggled with some pretty serious issues and your podcast helps me to get over. Big thanks for what you do. It helps a lot. <laughs> That's neat. That's awesome. Yeah. So pretty cool. I think think what I like about these is the people who tell how it's affected them. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you want to do the next? So next week. Yes. Oh, next week we're talking about sex. And a very common issue. If you're a low desire spouse, you want less sex than your spouse does. How can you give your spouse more of what they want without feeling used or like you're just providing a service? Well, that'll be an interesting episode. Yes. So that's all for today's episode. You can get the full blog post on our site at oyf.link slash 92. Listen, we want to help your marriage. And I know this podcast is helpful to thousands of couples, but for you, I just want to ask you to consider this question. Do you need more for your marriage? More help? If so, head on over to onlyyouforever.com. We've got some options for you there. There's a communications course. I do marriage counseling. We can even just set up a one-off consultation to go over your situation, come up with a plan to how to get things back on track. Whatever your situation is, I would love to help you find a way to recover your marriage. All you need to do is reach out. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.